Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God Here we go. We're about to begin. Guys, this is Kara. Everybody say, hey, Kara. All right, so when we first planted the church, there's a few people right off the bat that were like, we're, I'm in. She was one of them. Before we had people, before we had a place, she was a breath of fresh air in our lives. And she is a servant. I've noticed like a lot of people talk to me about, hey, I want to I preach. And I don't consciously do this, but I typically open up opportunities for people to preach after they've like served. Does that make sense? Like shown a heart for serving, not about that. Um, I don't just, people don't just say I want to preach and it happens. Um, I just, I carry this responsibility really strongly. I feel like it's a really big deal. I feel like it's a very important part. And I feel like there are certain people God has given us that it's a gift. And I feel like we have the, not only the opportunity, I feel like it is my job to let this be a place for Kara to speak. I remember when I was her age, wanting to do this and craving a spot and, and finally getting a space. And when somebody would let me do it, it fed directly into what God was going to do with my life. And so I'm really thankful that you're here preaching. You're a gift to our community. And I, I just want you guys to, I mean, you, you, you were the first kids pastor we had. You've been, watched our kids. You've went on retreats with us. You're just, you've always been faithful. And that's so important to me. And so I just want to say thank you for that. You're an amazing speaker. Um, I'm going to build you up so huge. <laughs> but more than that, Carrie, you're just your family. And we know when we look at you, this person's really with us. Like, we can trust her, and she cares about us. And we care about you. We love you. So I just want to say thank you. Appreciate it. It's really kind of you. Uh, Matthew Smaller, if you're here, your Bible is right here. <laughs> so, um, appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to pray really quick um, for like the fifth time this morning, but uh, we're going to pray really quick uh, for myself probably more than you guys. 
Dearly Father, um, just come before you, and I thank you for being present. I thank you for your presence, and I thank you for being present, and I thank you, Father, that in this moment that you want to speak to us, that you want to be with us, that you want to love on us, that in just this moment in time that you, that you want to touch places of our heart that haven't been touched and loved on. And so I ask, Father, that my words would fall to the wayside and that you would come and that your words would go forth, that they would minister to our, our, our hearts and they would leave this building and may our actions represent you well. I thank you for being faithful. We just ask you to come and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so the last time slash the first time that I was uh, asked to speak, I was super pregnant. And I remember at the time I was part of the Pinto's life group, and I remember asking them the Wednesday before I spoke, they were asking if they could pray for anything. And I remember saying, can you just pray that like I won't feel contractions or like he won't be kicking like crazy because it would just be a distraction. Um, and so now I have a nearly seven-month-old. And so uh, I thought it was kind of challenging. There was a weird dynamic for me when I was prepping to speak when I was so pregnant uh, and I was already experiencing preterm labor stuff. Uh, it's also very different to prep with a nearly seven-month-old. <laughs> um, so really thankful for grace. Um, so this is going to start, we've been going through our prayers of this season, and we're, this is community transformation. That's the piece. And I'm starting, Josh will speak next week on it as well, but I'm starting it this week. Um, and community transformation, uh, I started praying into it, and... Um, I started to wrestle with what the Lord started to show me because he started to talk to me about the gospel, which makes sense, but he was talking about the gospel internally and the transformation that has to happen for us on an ongoing basis before we even get to the community. And um, I like wrestled up until like three days ago with this, because when I think of community transformation and I've had the opportunity to, to be a part of and, and to witness people do community transformation extremely well. And when we think of community transformation, we think of the actions and we think of communities tangibly and physically being transformed. So when Jesus started to talk to me and relate community transformation to the gospel transformation in our own heart, before that we even get there, I was a little thrown, at least. Uh, and so, because that's not what I was expecting. It's not what I was wanting. It's not what was most natural for me to talk about when I thought of community transformation. And the Lord just kept on highlighting gospel, 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 gospel. What is the gospel? What does the gospel look like in your life? And how does it then relate to community transformation? And so, that is going to be a lot, of, that is the crux of everything that I'm going to talk about today. And truly, it is actually the crux of all, all of our desire for community transformation starts with the gospel being very real and apparent in our own hearts, presently. Um, and so I started thinking about when I got saved. And I have a story, um, and my parents are here, 
so they can probably add colors if you want to talk to them about it. But I have a story where I was raised in an incredible home, parents who love the Lord, siblings who love the Lord. My brother is a pastor. My sister is a children's ministry pastor at her church, and I'm here. Uh, I work for the Navigators, and so I grew up in this culture of Christianity. And so when I got saved, I was really young. I can't even honestly tell you, pinpoint an age, but when I got saved... I was raised in a culture, which I'm very thankful for, that they didn't expect there to be this, like, you get saved when you're six, and then you really know what you mean when you're, like, in eighth or ninth grade, and then you get, like, you rededicate yourself to the Lord. I didn't have this, like, wandering to and from type thing. I was raised in a place, in a home, and when I accepted Christ when I was six, they believed that the Spirit could be real to me at the age of six, and that that's when I started to begin to know Jesus. And so I have not had a perfect walk with the Lord, but I can say that Jesus in the gospel has always been part of my narrative for as long as I've known. And so I'm 25, so let's say I accepted Christ when I was five. I think that's, I vaguely remember it. That's 20 years of Jesus being a part of my narrative. And I'm really thankful for that. But what that also means is that I don't have this time in my life where I can say I was addicted to drugs or I was sleeping around or I was making horrible choices. And then I heard the gospel and I heard that Jesus came to die for my sins and I have this revelation moment and I recognize what a sinner I am and how he raised from the dead. And so, that, so I didn't have that moment. And it's really hard to understand if I'm being honest, the sinner that I am, when I don't have that dramatic shift happen. And so for me, thinking about the gospel and, and the power of the cross and what happened on the cross and the power of the empty, empty grave, it means something different for me personally. Because when I accepted Christ, and I think for a lot of us, we, we have this moment where we step into, where we accept salvation, we accept the Lord as our Lord and Savior, and we are aware in that moment that Jesus saved us from our sins. We're aware of our sinful nature, we're aware of shame and condemnation, and we hear Jesus died on the cross, he bore my sin, he became all of our sin, and then he was raised from the dead. And then we look at eternity, and we look at heaven, and we're like, that is going to be this beautiful picture where all, all of us come together who are saved, and it's going to be great. But what do you do in the middle of that? And it's like we forget, and I've forgotten that, yes, Jesus did die on the cross, and when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, he did save me from my sins. But Jesus is now living, and he is still saving me from the sin that I currently am walking in, and his life is very much still real to me now. And that reality, that truth, is necessary for us to understand when we talk about community transformation. Because we are the walking billboards of the good news that is going to transform the community that we want to impact. And if we are not presently going before the cross, and if we are not presently grasping the magnitude of what happened when he died and when he rose, we cannot do a good job of communicating to people 
just how good he is because we're not sitting underneath it. We're not sitting with it. We're not allowing it to be our, our everything. And really, that's what the gospel is, is meant to be. The healing that we see, the peace and the love and the joy, those are beautiful things, and those are all possible and available to us because Jesus, because God sent his son to die on the cross and to rise again, and, to, and he rose from the dead. And so that, that is the framework when I think of community transformation. That's the framework that I began to, to, think, to think through, was that... I, I need to recognize the power of that in my day-to-day life. And when I recognize the power of the gospel actively being alive in my life, it compels me to go into the community because that is the heart of Jesus. The gospel, we look at the ministry of Jesus. He was the gospel. He was carrying the truth. He was the truth. He was the way. And he had a heart for the brokenhearted and for the poor and the widow and the orphans. And so as we sit underneath and at the cross and as we begin to recognize what the gospel looks like alive in our own hearts right now, it will compel us to see people differently, to view our community differently, because it's just who Jesus is. It was his life. And so if you, uh, we're going to, I hope it's not, too much scripture, but we're going to be reading uh, scripture. So if you will open up um, to Isaiah 65. And we're going to start uh, in verse 19, but a little backdrop of this. Uh, This is talking about the new heaven and the new earth. Um. And so, and this directly relates to Jesus' heart for the brokenhearted, and that it gives us a little glimpse of what Jesus, how Jesus views the new heaven and the new earth. What, what the, this per, really this perfect coming together of the kingdom and his heart is displayed in the new heaven and new earth, and all sin is gone, and we are getting to abide and be one with Jesus. And it says, starting in verse 19, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days for the young man shall die a hundred years old and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For the day, for like the days of a tree shall the days be, shall the days of my my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. So if this is what the new heaven and new earth looks like, if this is just a picture, a glimpse, whether you believe it's literal or it's um, there's some poetic symbolism there and all of that, this is still communicating what Jesus says is going to be, is supposed to give us hope in the darkest of days. This is what's coming. 
And part of our responsibility as believers is to be ushering this in until he comes. It's for us to have this hope alive in us, springing up, proclaiming to people, to the brokenhearted, proclaiming to those who are in distress, proclaiming to those who are experiencing death and loss, that there is a hope and there's going to be a day where none of that is going to be apparent, that none of that is going to be around us. And it's because of Jesus. So if you go to Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 4. This is like, so the new heaven and new earth are future tense, right? They're, they're, it's go, there's going to be a day for the new heaven and new earth. And I think Isaiah 61 is the now. It's the who and it's the, the how and the why is explained in Isaiah 61. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of so many generations. So, so this, first we need to recognize when reading this is that that's what God did to us. We were the brokenhearted. We were the destitute. We were the lost needing to be found. We were the one needing to be saved from our distress. We were the ones that were longing and craving for there to be good news. And the moment we said yes to Jesus and stepped into that, it then becomes our responsibility to recenter and reorient our lives around the cross, around the good news, so that we then can go into our communities and seek out the brokenhearted, to seek out the captives, to seek out those who are bound, and to tell them that there is a day coming. They can have freedom now, but there's a day coming where all we, everybody will know is freedom. That's the beauty of the new heaven and new earth. Everybody in one accord will know that they are free. That God came, Jesus, God sent Jesus, that we may have life abundantly. And that is the new heaven and the new earth. That will be the fruition of us having life abundantly. And it can start now. And so I, I work in a context um, with the navigators of being in a community where their entire neighborhood is the poor, the brokenhearted, <laughs> the captives, prisoners, literally or otherwise. Uh, they are mourning. Like, that, that is the context of the people that I, that I interact with. And he promises, he says that those are the people that are going to be his oaks of righteousness. Those are who he's saying are going 
to be the oaks of righteousness and that they shall be the ones that build up the ancient ruins and they shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of so many generations. So clearly when he looks at them, he's not just seeing brokenhearted, poor, prisoned, drug-addicted people. He's looking at them with a heart that is grieving for them in the moment because what he knows that he wants them to be is an oak of righteousness. I've never been drug addicted. I've never been to prison so far. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, I haven't experienced abuse like they've experienced abuse. I have not experienced poor and being in poverty, but what I have experienced is being hopeless because I haven't had Jesus present in a situation. I've experienced that. I've experienced being brokenhearted because, because without Jesus, that's who we all are. And so that is, that is a point where I can, I can hurt for them and I can hurt with them. Not from a distance, but I can walk into their neighborhood on a weekly basis and just be with them. And I can allow my tra- eyes to be transformed to see them as oaks of righteousness. I can see when um, the kids that I work with, when they are punching each other or throwing things at me or when they are fighting each other with their words over and over and over and over again, I can have eyes to see that these are children that Jesus is grieving for in the moment but also knows that these are his kids that he's saying, you just wait and see what they are going to do when I grab hold of their heart. Just wait and see. The thing about the gospel is that it starts internally. It starts with me experiencing having come under his love and his grace and his patience. And the more that I get to know Jesus and the more I spend time with him, the greater my desire is to go and be with the poor and the destitute and the impoverished because that's where Jesus spent the majority of his time. But even more than that, I don't necessarily think that means that all of you need to be, go find somebody who's poor and impoverished or in prison or whatever. That's not what I believe. It's the recognition that without Jesus, we are them. If we do not have Jesus presently in our life, you are the exact same person that they are because you're just as lost. You're just as sinful. You are making the same errors that they are. Only they chose to choose to do it through drugs and you might do it through pride. But it's all the same. And so when those walls begin to crumble, that's when you start seeing this beautiful collaboration of diversity, of unity, of peace where there shouldn't be peace, racial tension beginning to to disband. It's because all of a sudden you begin to realize that this community that that I have a heart to transform Really, all that's happening is it's just loving Jesus and thus choosing to love the people around me. And having, and I think the word community is kind of becoming this like, um, it's a a church word that's caught on a lot of places, you know? And I'm for community. I have learned community, I think, in a whole new term because of River City, because of knowing Josh and Sarah, because I was a part of Bill 
uh, and Jen's life group, I understand community very differently. But I also have seen, not necessarily in this church, this is not (laughs) excluding you guys, Uh, I've seen the church take community and do community within this group of people really well. And I've also seen us not interact with that community very well. And if we do community really well in here and we don't do it well out there, then we're not doing community well. That, that, that's because Jesus didn't say, go into all of the nations preaching the good news. We already know the good news. I don't need to preach this air about the good news of Jesus. I mean, we can tell each other truth. But in order for us to fulfill that, we have to leave. And we have to be able to somehow draw the connection between doing community well in your life group or with your group of friends and doing community well with the people that are really in our community. Whether that's Smyrna, Ackworth, Waswell, Woodstock, wherever you, Atlanta, wherever you live. It's engaging your community outside of your community, allowing this community to fuel you, allowing this community to encourage you, maybe even go on mission with, this commu- with people in this community, but you're doing the mission out there. If you'll go to Matthew 25, Jesus is pretty, pretty honest. Uh, Matthew 25, 34. And I, I had to cut. I'm usually someone who I enjoy context, but that just can't, can't happen in all of these because they'd be really long passages and we'd be here all morning. Um, so we're starting in the middle of this uh, chapter, actually towards the end. But starting in verse 34, it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you, are, you, you who are blessed by my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did, you see, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and gave you drink? And when, he, and when did we see you, see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So Jesus is actually really clear. As he, he, what I love is how simple this is. He actually tells you, this is why I came. This is what I want to do. This is where you're going. He actually gives you the goal. He gives it to you in his word. This is what my heart is for the future. This is what the new heaven and new earth will look like. This is what it looks like for heaven perfectly displayed on earth. And he tells you the who and the why for community transformation. It's like a step-by-step guide. It's not that confusing. It's, there's, there's not a lot for us to figure out. We have to come to a place of recognizing that it actually, it's actually not that difficult and accept that. The thought of community transformation, I think, sounds really big. 
and it sounds uh, hard to know how to engage or interpret. But the more you allow Jesus to be present in your daily life when you wake up and where the, those pieces that you're battling different things in or the sins that you're struggling with, or whatever it is, when you feel like you're being attacked, when you let Jesus be present in those moments and you allow the truth of the cross to be victorious in those moments, the more you're going to want to talk about it. And not only are you really going to want to talk about it, the more you're just going to want to do it because that was the heart of Jesus. And it's not, it's not meant to be difficult or complicated. And so as I was um, thinking through, I think, what sometimes limits us or stops us from engaging a community, I'm sure there are a lot of things. But one of the things the Lord highlighted to me was that, um, see, when we stay within the church, the church can only have so many ministries. Any given church can only have so many ministries. And they're good. And they're purposeful. But we engage the community. We get to do it in a way that Jesus is specifically calling us to. And, he, and we have giftings. And we have um, creative ways that naturally come to us. You can be an artist. You can be a musician. You can be a singer. You can be um, a painter. Maybe you love reading. There's all these different contexts. And within each of those avenues is an opportunity to engage your community in that way. It's not always about going to the poorest of the poor. It's not always about going to the richest of the rich. It might just be getting to know the person who's checking you out at, a, at the grocery store, finding out that you guys have a commonality and starting there and just asking questions. If we allowed Jesus to saturate our life as a church, as a whole, and then we went out, we would begin to saturate our communities with Jesus. Just naturally. Because we're so, we have, we've absorbed so much of Jesus, it just comes from us. And it becomes almost effortless. And it's no longer our responsibility to figure out. It was never meant to be our responsibility to figure out. Jesus has literally done it all. The moment he said yes to his father and being willing to die on the cross for our sins is the moment that, that responsibility was taken from us. And he's like, just let me do it. Just be with me and let me do it. It is that simple. I'm going to read a passage, and the India team's going to come and come up and talk a little bit about their time. And it's they they did they did this, and they saw this. Um, but this book is fantastic. If anybody wants to read it, it's, it's called Saturate. Uh, and I'm going to read a quote from it. It says, "This is what discipleship is all about." It is the ongoing process of submitting all of life to Jesus and seeing him saturate your entire life and world with his presence and power. It's a process of daily growing and your awareness of your need for him in the everyday stuff of life. It is walking with Jesus, being filled with Jesus, and being led by Jesus in every place and in every way. Jesus was is and will always be 
the only savior and the best savior. We were never meant to be that play that role. So if we can rest in knowing that he, he is a savior and he does it perfectly. And our job is simply to walk in submission to that into our communities. Then we can do it out of a place of rest, of being carried almost by him into the community. And we can just allow him to saturate the areas of our lives around us. Is Jordan coming up? Yeah. That's Jordan. That's who I was talking about. <laughs> um, so I'm going to pray really quick if that's okay, Jordan. Is that cool? Um, and then India team's going to come up and talk, and then we're going to have ministry time after that. Um, Jesus, I just come before you, and I thank you for who you are, and I thank you that you love us to so much that you sent uh, your son, and I thank you that we get to celebrate that and walk in that, not just on Christmas and not just on Easter, but in everyday life. And I pray that we would never lose the magnitude or the awe of what comes when we, when we reflect on the cross. And I pray that we would daily be placing our hearts at the cross and submitting all of who we are to you, that you may just come and overwhelm us with your truth and your goodness, that we may go out and may we be pillars of your truth. May we listen May we love, remove all blinders from our eyes, open our ears, and allow us to see your children around us as you do. We thank you for who you are, and we thank you for coming and, and being the, the good Savior that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Kara. Just to give it up for Kara, that was really awesome. She's really good at preaching. It's awesome. Um, okay, so, yeah, we went to India, and we just got back last week. You guys saw us last week, but we got home at, like, the day before at, like, 3, so we were exhausted, so... We couldn't share last week. So this is some of the pictures from our team. These are all the ladies we were with, and uh, we're the white people in the middle of it. Um, it's, this is Tamara. She, uh, she's doing, like, health lessons with people, and this is the truth. She's getting a pedicure in the middle of it. So she's just serving the poor while being served. It's really hard work. This is Sarah doing some exercises, like, with the, with the ladies and, oh, yeah, doing the airplane or something. I don't know what you're doing. Just look at that. Just <laughs> so these kids were so awesome, guys. This is like my best friend. His name's Bessage. He was like almost crying when I was leaving. It was sad. Um, so yeah, these guys, these will kind of play in the back. Um, so we. So first off, let me get my team to just stand up. So Sarah, Tamara, Ashley, Jen is Jen here? Yeah, Jen. Give it up for them. Yeah. 
Um, Jess isn't able to be here today, so you know, clap for her when next time you see her. Uh, so these guys, like for real, served like hardcore. We did things that were really not easy to do, and there were like a couple moments where we were just like joining hands, like this is going to be awful, and we're going to do it anyway. So everyone was stretched, and a lot of people think when you go on a mission trip, you're going to the ends of the world, you know, to change the the, the world, and and really we. If you're in India, we're the ends of the earth. So we felt like we got changed um, from being over there. And we really saw, we literally sat with people who uh, went to a home for the dying at one point and, and sat with people who were literally days from death, just filled with hopelessness. And it was seriously hard to do. Um, but then to see what God was doing in this community and providing hope for people it was phenomenal, and I know that for us, we really felt like God transformed us, and we're just excited to come back here. So I just want to say thank you for letting us go and providing the financial. I mean, we did, we literally had everything we needed like a month ahead of time, which that doesn't happen with mission trips usually. So you guys all like came together, provided, and prayed for us. So give it up for yourselves. Thank you. So the big goal for us was to build some relationships with Daughters of Hope, the um, business that we were going to work with, and we really did. Like, we had a blast. We had just laughed a lot. I mean, just built, like, lasting friendships. And so that was, like, probably the biggest win out of everything. We built, like, a real big partnership. And so, for, like, for you, as you, like, maybe you've started to feel, like, called to, to go and visit at some point. Like, we have relationships there where you'd be able to do that now, and so we're really excited about that. Um, so what did we do in our time there? We visited a number of different ministries in Bangalore, uh, probably about, about four ministries, and just saw God do things. We, were, we visited a special needs school. Uh, we visited a children's home, a home for the dying. Um, we visited a, a, a local church. There's just a number of different things that God's doing um, in addition to this, this ministry at Daughters of Hope. So we also did some devotions, like with the kids, and you'll see pictures of that, and um, like did after-school tutoring with them. Uh, and like we led devotions for their like training center and their company. Tamara did a health lesson. By the way, nurses are like not like hot shots in India. So Tamara was a nurse, or it was a doctor the entire time we were there. <laughs> so we were like, hey, if you need to get anything done, do it now before Tamara's just a nurse again. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. It was like Dr. Tamara. Uh, so anyways, we had a blast. So I just want to share with you before the, a couple of the people come up from our team, what is Daughters of Hope? So this is a business. They, the missionaries have been there for nine years, and they essentially saw a need in the community. There is a ton of uh, racism, uh, political corruption. There's a lot of gender inequality. Uh, it's just uh, the caste system is still lingering. And so there's just a lot of like social relationships that are broken. And there's certain people that get pushed to the bottom of that social ladder. And so a lot of those are women, especially dark-skinned women, and especially if you're a widow and uneducated. And essentially, you have no hope. I mean, there's just no way to break the cycle of poverty. And so what they did is they created a business, a tailoring business, where they would employ women and educate them, teach them. Some of them didn't even know how to read a ruler when they got there. And now they're like sewing and using sewing machines and embroidery machines. It's phenomenal. And they sell things here in the States. 
And so they employ 60 women now. It's crazy. And some of these women have very jaded stories. I'll share with you one story um, of a girl named Deepa. So I worked with Deepa a little bit when I was there. Um, Deepa was essentially like the third or fourth girl in her family, and, and girls are not usually... Um, People aren't really excited to have girls oftentimes, especially multiples. So Deepa was married off at 15 years old to an alcoholic and abusive husband. And she then she started having children and started having girls. And her husband was mad and abusive. So one day when she was in her late teens, he, he came home and poured kerosene on her in a little match. And so... She obviously bursts into flames and um, goes and gets medical treatment, but she can't um, afford the medical treatment because she's poor. And so her husband leaves her and her family that um, abandoned her at the start doesn't come back for her, and so she's left alone. So uh, she eventually ends up at a place called Home of Hope where we visited, and it's essentially just a place for the outcasts of the outcasts. And Deepa is found by one of the missionaries there in a back room just a few days from dying. Uh, and so she actually takes her out of the house and gets her the medical treatment she needs, takes her to Daughters of Hope. They educate her and employ her, and now she's thriving. She's come to know the Lord, and this is just one story of, like, countless stories. There's all these women have very similar stories. So we saw, like, in the midst of a lot of hopelessness, we saw God provide so much hope. And that was, I mean, the hardest thing was sitting with people who have no hope. And, but being in the midst of that community causes us to see that there really is hope for us. And so uh, we were excited to bring that back here. So you guys want to come up and share some, some things, some of the experiences, highlights you guys have had. Um, I, I think the big prayer for us was Ephesians 1.18 says, we pray that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. And we feel like that like the hope of our calling has been enlightened in some way, and so they're going to kind of share some of their highlights. So really, we don't have like a ton of time, and they'll get mad eventually if we share too long. So just be um, concise. <clears throat> okay. So I've done mission trips before, but this one stood out because we, we just did life with them. We ate what they ate, dressed how they dressed, did what they did. And day one, when we first got there, they said, hey, they were like, hey, sister, hey, sister. But they were very standoffish. But by the end of the week, every time we arrived at Daughters, they'd come up, they'd hug us, the kids would run, jump all over us. Some of the girls, they even got to the point where they, they start saying, I love you, and they'd hug us and kiss us. Um, and then secondly, a story I want to share that stood out. When we were at Home of Hope, there was, a, there was a girl who came up next to me when I was sitting on the ground, and she was crying. And I didn't know what she was saying because she didn't speak English. So I asked one of the translators what she was saying, and she was telling me that nobody wanted her and no one loved her. Her, her parents dropped her off there because they didn't want her and they didn't love her. So I ended up just, like, pulling her over and, like, holding her, and she had no clue what I was saying. I started just praying over her and just speaking life into her, and then, like, a minute into the prayer, she just started she just starts saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So that was beautiful. Like, despite, like, language barriers, like, there's something, I feel like, in everyone's spirit. Like, they recognize, like, we recognize that we were meant and that we were made by something, by something greater. Like, we're meant for more. So 
I don't know, she recognized that. So that was pretty beautiful. Hey guys, so I guess I'm just super thankful that y'all let me go since I missed the prayer, <laughs> the send off prayer. Um, <laughs> um, but I feel like for me it was kind of twofold because I got to go as a part of River City, um, but all the women there, they make the products for the company that I work for here in the States. Um, so just the opportunity to get to meet them and like see them, because um, I feel like it's so easy to um, know that they're, or to forget that there's a product or there's a person behind every product. Um, and so like to get to meet them um, and hear some of their stories and then even to like spend time with their kids um, and to do the devotions with them and just tell them how much God loves them, um, which I haven't done a whole lot of kids ministry, but I just loved how stripped back it it is. Um, it's just so fundamental, um, which we need a lot of times. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, this trip was uh, such a gift. Um, and I had on my heart to, this is the thing I wanted to share with you guys. Um, it's just one of the things we said there was how much the gospel made sense. Like it really was good news when you're sitting across from someone who's like laying on the ground, you know, like Jesus is really good news, um, and how much that breathes life into your own faith and forces you to get over yourself. Like the things here that are issues are like not. Um, and so, um, we went, we visited K homes, which is a children's home. Some of you guys have heard of Tammy who's associated with the Tanners at Riverstone. Um, and that's, what's beautiful about this network of missionaries is they're all connected and they're all working with each other to like really care for whole families. Um, but so Tammy's kids do this thing called the 1040 window and they showed this video and it said as humans, we are wired to run towards comfort, towards, um, away from danger, towards all these things. We're in reality as disciples of Jesus, we're supposed to run towards danger, away from comfort. Um, and it was just so powerful to me. And it was something I wanted to take this back to you guys because I just really feel like some of you should start saving now and praying now for a trip. I feel like this is um, even for India, but it's, it's something that will strip away um, the fluff. You know, I spoke a few weeks ago on the good life. Like, you get the good life over there. Like, the good life is Jesus. Um, and so I just wanted to leave that with you. Like it, we have to consciously move ourselves away of like running towards comfort and materialism. Um, and a mission trip is a great way to do that, to reset yourself. Awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks guys. So, um, so the big thing we, obviously I said we're, we made a partnership and so a partnership isn't like 10 days out of an entire year. So we believe that there's a way that you guys can partner now and over this next year. So first off, obviously be praying um, for them. Um, there will be a way that I'll put out some prayer requests um, through them, the missionaries there. Um, another way that you could would be to give, actually. They need 24 scholarships for the girls um, for them to be able to be educated. So they started something called the Training Center. It's like a project for when for little for girls who are like 15 to 20 to be able to educate them before they get into like the cycle of poverty to educate them. So that would be a way. It's fifty dollars a month for 10 months um, for the for, for their year. So that'd be five hundred dollars for you to partner for a year. So I'll post that on the weekly and on the prayer wall for you to be able to 
connect through that and to give if you wanted to. And they'll send you like a bio of the girl that you're sponsoring and it's really neat. So it's a lot of buy-in. So, um, and obviously we will be going again. So be praying, like maybe God's calling you to go. Um, so there'll be opportunities for that. So thank you guys. Thanks guys. Um, so real quick, we're about to do ministry time. Um, this has been an awesome Sunday um, to me. I just get to enjoy River City and you guys. And I just I love you guys. But next week is a cool week because Campbell High School is going to be here after the retreat. We all come back here. Some families will be here. It's a great way for us to love them, hear the kids' stories. I really encourage you, if you're part of River City, to be here for that one. We don't ever do invite days. We've never had an invite day. But this day is a good one to come to, to meet people who are on this retreat. We're taking possibly 22 students and about 20 adults. Um, so as we go right now, if you guys wouldn't mind standing with me, I'm going to say a prayer over you. And then if you would like ministry time prayer, we provide that every week. We love it. We think it's important. So there's going to be people praying right over there. And there's going to be people praying right over there for any need that you have. If you are a couple young or old, and we're like prayer over you and your spouse as a couple for anything at all, there's going to be prayer right over here at this window with the Rodriguez. You guys raise your hand real quick. They're going to pray with you guys if you need it, okay? So three areas to pray. Father, I want to say thank you for this community. And Kara, thank you so much for the message you put on our heart that we would take what you've placed in us, this freedom that we've received, and that it would overflow into our community. So as we go right now, I pray a prayer of blessing over every person in this room that they would receive everything that you have and that you would go before us and lead us and guide us into this world to love people the way that you've loved us. We thank you. Every person in this room that needs to respond and receive prayer, I pray that you would help them to just be obedient. You love us so beautifully. You lead us by your grace. So Father, we thank you for an awesome Sunday and for another week to be alive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I encourage you, if you stay in this room, to just keep in mind there's going to be prayer and worship time, okay? God bless you. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.